Welcome to the Professional Writer Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Christensen, and I'm here to help you confidently plan, launch, and grow your writing-related business. You'll find the show notes for today's episode at my website, bloggingbistro.com. And today I would like to welcome my friend and our guest, Karen Barnett. Welcome, Karen. Hi, Laura. Thank you for having me on. Well, you are so very welcome. So glad to have you here. Karen and I met a few years ago at a writer's conference. I'm not sure which one because we both attend and speak at multiple writer's conferences per year, but we've been kind of deepening our friendship ever since. So we are what I guess you would call writer's conference buddies. We typically only yes. see each other <laughs> at writer's conferences. And Karen is the author of seven books. All of them are historical fiction. This I find so interesting, the fact that that you're doing historical fiction and specifically historical romance. So tell us a little bit about that and how you got interested specifically in writing historical fiction as opposed to other types of fiction. Uh, I think it came pretty naturally to me. It's the genre that I like to read the most, and I am a huge history geek. I like to learn about history, but more than the sort of dry facts that you learned in history classes, I like to get into people's stories and their experiences in history. It's kind of my way of time traveling. I'm a, I'm a Doctor Who fan, and I've always loved the idea that you could go around to different time periods and experience them, and this is kind of my way of doing that. You have seven books that have already been published. Are you working on a project at the, this moment in time? Do you have something new in the works that you could tell I am us about? Working, I am working on something, but it's not contracted yet. So uh -huh. I'm probably not really at liberty to talk too much okay. about it. <laughs> Can you tell us, is it historical fiction? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so you're, you're staying with that same genre. Mm -hmm. A couple of years ago at the Oregon Christian Writers Conference, I was teaching a workshop called Plan Your Dynamite Website. And you were one of my star students in the workshop because you came, you sat in the front row, you asked really good questions, you took lots of notes. And then most importantly, you went home and you implemented all the things that you had been learning. And I was taking a little sneak peek at your website. And I had a a look at the welcome message that's on the homepage of your website, which is karenbarnettbooks.com. And I'll put the link to Karen's website in the show notes at bloggingbistro.com. And I want to read what you have written in your welcome message, or at least partially part of your welcome message, because I just love this so much. I love historical romance, Karen writes. My goal with storytelling is to immerse you in a different time, giving you the chance to experience a bit of history through the eyes and hearts of my characters. Add in a beautiful location, a touch of suspense, and a chance at love, and you've got a recipe for a perfect armchair getaway. I hope you'll join me where adventure and romance abound and glimpses of God's fingerprints in creation bring fresh hope to us all. <sighs> that, that just feels so refreshing to me as a visitor to your website to read that right up front on your homepage because it tells me exactly who you are, what you love, and the type of writing that you do. And as a reader, what I'm going to take away from reading your novels. And you deliver on that in your novels because I've read some of them. <laughs> so tell me about this, this welcome message. Did, did this just like flow out of your brain onto the screen like that? Or oh, I wish. What was that process like? <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit like pulling teeth, actually. <laughs> I had taken your class 
And uh, I had, I knew that I wanted to redesign my website. I knew I could hire someone to do it, but I kind of wanted to do it myself because I like exploring new technology and, and learning how to do things. The idea of creating this welcome message was, was really a real challenge to me because I hadn't thought through who my audience is, what they want from my stories, what they want from me as a writer, why they come to my website in the first place. Because I don't go to that many authors' websites unless they're a friend of mine and I'm looking for something specific. But why would a reader just come to my website and what do they want? And so I really had to sit down and think through all those topics and kind of come up with what I thought were some key words like armchair I don't remember how I put the armchair getaway, which is something that that my editors had used uh, when we were writing the uh, vintage national parks novels. Is that it would be an armchair getaway, and and these phrases that would really set people in mind of what I write, and I wanted them to say yes, I want that. We have busy <laughs> lives, and uh, we've got so much going on, and I'm picking up this novel because I want to slow down and escape, and so it was kind of a, a matter of just a lot of soul searching and a lot of thought as to why anyone would read my books in the first place. So the process you went through is you figured out who your ideal reader is. What is that person looking for? And you said they're looking for kind of an armchair getaway, which I love. And your books are perfect armchair getaways. What is it that they want? Why right. do they come to your website? Right. And what type of experience do you want to give them? I think that's key too, because you're starting that experience in that copy that's on your website, especially for people who really don't know who you are. Like maybe they met you just in passing at a conference or somewhere mm -hmm. and they go to your website because they vaguely recall <laughs> meeting you and they want to learn more about you. And then they see that, that you're going to immerse me in a different time, you're going to have a beautiful location, a touch of suspense, and a chance at love in your novels. And I go, as a, as a prospective reader of your novels, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I was looking for. That's exactly the type of novel that I feel like I want to read. I think you did an admirable job of fleshing out what I would call your brand message or the promise that you make to your readers there. And not only do you flesh that out really well on your homepage and all throughout your website, it is also displayed in the content of your books. I read your three vintage national park novels over the Christmas holidays this last year and totally enjoyed them. I, I don't typically read that genre of literature. And so I was a little wary going in, but I'm like, okay, this is Karen. Karen's my friend. I want to read her books. <laughs> and I thoroughly enjoyed them. They were wonderful. Oh, good. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed them. So let's talk about those for a couple of minutes. You have, you actually have a couple of different series, correct? Right. Right. Okay. And I think it takes any author uh, time to discover their voice and their brand. And so when I was first starting out, it was kind of, you know, I'll try a little of this, a little of that. And I think this most recent series, the Vintage National Parks novels, felt like, okay, this is where I'm at. This is this is who I am as a writer. And so I, I think this is the brand that I'll be using from here from for here on forward. Yeah. Yeah. I can write, I can't necessarily talk. <laughs> from here Moving on forward. On. <laughs> this is the brand. Okay. This is the kind of writer's voice and the kind of story that I want to be telling. And that's 
really, uh, I love the idea of using the national parks. I have a background in, in national parks. I was a park ranger at one point and using that in the story was integral to me. That was, that was important. I mentioned that these vintage national parks novels are a series, but they're, they're not really a series. They're standalone books, but each of the three books is set in a different national park. One of them is set in Mount Rainier National Park in Washington State. Another one is in Yosemite National Park in California. And the third one is at Yellowstone National Park in Montana and Wyoming. That's right. But the, the one thing that I noticed that was super cool as I was reading these novels is that the parks are almost like a character in the story. They're such an integral part of the story. So tell us a little bit about how you developed the setting as a character. Well, that was very important to me. I wanted to make sure that the story was so entrenched in the setting that you couldn't pick up those characters and that plot and drop it someplace else and have the same story happen. I, I made sure every character had a job to do, ne not necessarily a, you know like a park ranger, though there are park rangers in the book, but everyone had a reason for being there. Everyone has uh, different ways that they interact with the nature in the park. Uh, sometimes sometimes in a positive way, sometimes in a negative way, sometimes the park is almost a villain toward them or an, an antagonist. Other times it's a grand escape to go to this park. So each each character interacts with the park and the park, what is going on around them pushes the story forward. Because I just didn't want, oh, you know, a park could be just a pretty background to set a story. But I wanted mm -hmm. to make sure it was so important to the story that it was, like you said, it's like a character. You couldn't have this story without the setting. Now, did you actually visit each one of those three parks in order to do research for the stories? I did. I did. I Well, I worked at Mount Rainier, so that was fairly easy research for me. I still went and, and refreshed myself to you know remember what uh, that section of the park was like and to do some historical research on the ground there. But I also, you know, I went to Yosemite, I went to Yellowstone and did research in both of those. It's, you know, so tragic that an author has to go and do that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> that tax deductible travel. And, uh, <laughs> but no, it's, uh, to me, it's important to know what the park feels like, what it smells like, what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. People know their parks. People know their favorite park. And, you know, maybe they've been there every year with their grandparents, you know, growing up and they've gone every year their entire life. And if I expect to write a book set in that park, I need to know it as well as they do. So mm -hmm. I, I learn it's, it's like a crash course every time I go to a new park. I hadn't thought about that, Karen, but that's so true. Sometimes I'll be reading a book that is set in a location where I have spent a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And so I'm visualizing a map of that location in my mind as I'm reading. And if the author gets something incorrect, I'm like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it it, it kind of pulls me out of the story because I'm thinking, no, that doesn't exist or they got that wrong or something. Just it could be something minor. But for people who have spent a lot of time and boy, you're choosing places where a lot of people <laughs> visited those right. locations. Too. Right. And that sort of scared me a little bit. You know, <laughs> I, I wrote the first book set at Mount Rainier and I was very, you know, maybe a little arrogant that, oh, I know this park really well. I grew <laughs> up nearby and I worked here and, you know, no one knows. Well, people know it, but <laughs> I felt very confident <laughs> writing that book. And then to turn around and write Yosemite was terrifying because 
the way people interact with Yosemite down in California is even more so, I would say, than than how we grew up with Mount Rainier up in Washington. But in Yosemite in California, people visit that park over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And they have memories of being at Camp Curry and going on the ice skating rink or swimming in the the river and, you know, all the different things that people do there. And it's like, if I don't get that right, they're going to know. I'm yeah. Get letters. Now, have you gotten any letters or have you been pretty accurate? <laughs> uh, I don't I don't think I have gotten any letters. I've gotten a lot of letters saying, you know, oh, I saw the fire because the the Yosemite Firefall is something mm. that I feature in the second book uh, called Where the Fire Falls. And it was a historic event that they actually pushed uh, burning coals off the top of one of the cliffs in Yosemite just about every night as sort of a spectacle to entertain the campground below. And they did that from around the turn of the 20th century up to about 1969. And so a lot of people remember it. Mm-hmm. And uh, even my dad remembers seeing it at one point. And so I get people who come up to me at uh, book clubs and book signings and say, I actually saw the firefall. Thank you for including that in the book. So that oh. that feels really neat. That is so cool. And, you know, I was fascinated by that because I think, what? why does a book have this title? And why are they talking about this all the time? Because I wasn't familiar with that. Yeah. And so for me, it was very much a learning experience to read the book about Yosemite and the fire falling. And as you were telling those parts of the story where that event happened, it was every night, right, that they did it? It was. Yeah, in the summer. It was it was, every night. I could just visualize it. It's something you because would never I had, dream of them doing today. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I, having been at Yosemite and been at the place where that event happened, I could still visualize it happening in my mind. So I'm putting myself in the place. And I must say that I I loved, loved, loved the Mount Rainier book because I live in the Seattle area and Mount Rainier is the ever-present force of nature that is looming on our skyline on every clear day. Um, we always, when we can see Mount Rainier, we just say the mountain's out. The mountain is out. Yes. Yeah. Love it. It's, it's so beautiful. Yes. Um, I've, I've seen huge. t-shirts that say live like the mountain is out. <laughs> yeah. I just love that idea that uh, we're just going to go about our lives as if the mountain is out. Like yes. that's, that's all that matters. <laughs> and so you worked at Mount Rainier, you said uh, at I one did. point when you were um, getting your, you were studying for what degree? Your uh, I was working your, on a graduate degree. Uh, graduate Master's in geosciences at Oregon State. And uh, I worked my summers at Mount Rainier as a park naturalist there. And I was actually up at Sunrise, which is over on the northeast corner of the mountain. Just Mm. absolutely beautiful place. So pretty. And then, you know, in the evenings, all the camp, well, we didn't have a campground at Sunrise. So all the day day visitors would leave and we would have the place to ourselves. So it was just amazing. Amazing place to live up there as a park ranger. Yes, yes, it's a beautiful spot. And when just for people who haven't been to Mount Rainier and don't know what you're talking about, Sunrise is a place, a location at Mount Rainier where there's a ranger station and lots of trails you can hike on. And, and Paradise is the other major location on the other, I'm not sure, east, west, south, one side, south. south. <laughs> yes. And that's the one I featured Paradise in the novel because that's more connected with the Tacoma, Seattle area. So Yes. And easy to get to Mount Rainier. It's about, from where I live, it's about a two hour, hour and a half to two hour drive, depending on which direction you go and whether you go to Sunrise or whether you go to Paradise. I posted a picture on my Facebook page when I was up at Mount Rainier a year or so ago. And you commented, you're like, I know exactly where you are. <laughs> I miss my time at that mountain. I miss seeing it when the sun shines because I'm in Oregon now, so I don't get to see it. We have other mountains, but you know, 
Mount yes. Rainier is where my heart lives. So, oh, and Ranger Bear, tell us about Ranger <laughs> Bear because he, he just ties right in with these books and with your brand in general. Uh, who is Ranger Bear and why is he important to you? Well, Ranger Bear is just a, a tiny little teddy bear, probably about six inches tall, that I picked up when I was a park ranger at one of the gift shops. And he's wearing a park ranger uniform and has the hat and everything. And I just, you know, had it for a lot of years. And then when I started writing the Vintage National Parks novels, I just took a few pictures of him around. I think we went to like Powell's bookstore or something. And I took pictures of him with the Powell sign just for fun. My kids are at the age where they don't like their picture taken much anymore. So it's like I needed something to take pictures of. <laughs> and a friend of mine, uh, Rachel McMillan, who's another uh, historical romance author, Rachel said, Ranger Bear needs his own Instagram account. And I thought, oh, that's kind of silly, but that mm-hmm. might be fun. So I started Ranger. It's Ranger Bear underscore adventures, Ranger Bear Adventures with an underscore between. It just kind of took off. And we started taking pictures of him, you know, when we visited different national parks, or I would take pictures of him sitting next to my computer when I was writing. And uh, he's got more followers on Instagram than I do, I think now. (laughs) (laughs) He has 1500 followers. He has more followers than I do, that's for sure. And other other people have offered to take him on their oh. trips. So he traveled to Yosemite and to Glacier with author Lori Benton. Oh. And there are a couple of bloggers that took him down around the, the Southwest parks up through Zion and Bryce and all of those parks. And so I have pictures of him all over the country, you know, not just from times that I, so people say, well, I know you've been to Bryce because I saw Ranger Bear. It's like, uh-huh. well, actually I haven't. <laughs> he went, I didn't get to go. <laughs> Have you ever heard of Flat Stanley? Yes. Yeah. He's kind of like a, a, this whole a cuter version of Flat Stanley. Right, right. Which is a Flat Stanley, for those of you that have <laughs> never heard of him before, you you make him out of paper, I think. A piece Usually of paper. A school project, I think. A school you- project. And then you, I think you send him to friends who live in different parts of the world and they take their picture with Flat Stanley. And then he eventually makes his way back to your school. And so then you have your own Flat Stanley, who's been all these different places. So Ranger Bear, mm-hmm. he's like a cool version of Flat Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> kind of cuter one. <laughs> he's, he's very cute. Yeah. And I think I've seen him with you at writers' conferences, too. Does yes, he attend I, I writers' conferences? People like to take selfies with them now. It's, I actually had someone come to a book signing at a bookstore once, and she came up to me and said, where's Ranger Bear? <laughs> she didn't, care less she didn't want to see you. She came to get my signature, but she wanted her selfie with Ranger Bear. So I had to get him out of my box. Oh, here he is. <laughs> so it sounds like Ranger Bear has been an unexpected uh, boon for your Karen Barnett Books brand. A little bit. Yeah, I don't I do not do a lot of marketing over on the Ranger Bear site because I think a lot of the people that follow him, I have a lot of park rangers that follow him and families with little kids, and they're not necessarily my audience for my books. But maybe once every 10 posts or so, I'll put a picture of him with one of my books or a picture of him helping me write or, you know, a selfie with me, with him. And, and, and I'll do it in his voice, you know, hanging out with my friend at Karen Barnett author uh-huh, and, and sort of subtly push people back to my website. But uh, I don't, I try not to overdo it. Cause I think if I oversell on there, I'm going to lose a lot of those people, but I have picked up quite a few readers through it too. So it's, oh, a, that's it's a subtle marketing. 
And that's one of the things that I'm constantly preaching on, too, is when you're doing a particularly social media updates, you don't want to, like, let's say you have 10 social media posts. You don't want all 10 of those to be, buy my book, buy my book, buy my book, come and visit my website, do this, do that. You want maybe one out of every 10 of those right. to be kind of a direct sales type message. And so I think Ranger Bear is a really great little branding tool that you're using where you can just kind of in a fun, lighthearted way, let people know about you. And like you said, you do a little bit of soft promotion there with him where every once in a while he'll refer to his friend, Karen, and how to find her on Instagram or her website. <laughs> Please go <laughs> follow great. her Instagram. <laughs> yes. Yes. And you know, it's funny, people sometimes respond better to animals and stuffed animals than they do to human beings. <laughs> it's far more comments than I do. And I think it's and <laughs> likes. It's like I can put a, a, a silly little picture of him up on Instagram and he'll easily get like 100 to 150 likes oh. and a slew of comments. <laughs> I can put a, a silly, cute picture of me up on mine and I like crickets. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. Now this must tell us something deeply psychological about humankind, but I'm not going to go there on this podcast. <laughs> we just like bears better. <laughs> <laughs> bears and funny cat videos and yes. cute yeah. puppies and yeah. any type of animals and right now All with, right. The, with the quarantine and everyone really being on social media so much yeah. i really amped up uh ranger bears account i'm doing like two to three posts a day oh. exciting ones just because i feel like people are home and they need something to smile about so and it's been a fun distraction for me so. so is Ranger Bear sheltering at home also? Yes, along he with is. You, or is he, is he sneaking out and about and the going parks, to the Costco? The parks are closed. <laughs> and so that's kind of a theme to, to what he's doing right now is since the parks are closed, I need to find ways to entertain myself at home. And uh-huh, yeah. good. Now, do you have children? Do you know whether you have kids that are fans of Ranger Bear as well? Or is it mostly oh, adults? It's a combination. I think mostly adults, but uh, I've had some parents comment contact me and say my my child wants to see ranger bear's picture every night before he goes to bed oh. so make sure you post every day <laughs> oh no my pressure. goodness no pressure no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so cool karen i'm glad you're doing that and that you're finding a good outlet for using him now during this uh, covid 19 pandemic in case you're listening to this months or years down the line we're right in the middle of the worldwide stay at home order and so things are a little crazy right now in our world. And that's great that Ranger Bear is providing an outlet, uh, an emotional release, and just a little smile to people's days. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about kind of indirectly relates to Ranger Bear, and it's how you're doing your marketing to grow your brand, specifically your online marketing, and most specifically your email marketing, because I know that you've been working hard to build your email list of those loyal readers who, when you do release new novels, will just go to Amazon. I guess they can't run out to their local bookstore right now, but they'll go <laughs> online to their favorite online bookseller and snap up your books. So you've been trying some different things with growing your email list. And I was looking at your pop-up form on your website. And in addition to doing the, the updates about your new books and so forth, you also have some bonus downloads that you provide. You have a holiday novella called Christmas in Paradise, which is a follow-up to The Road in Paradise. Tell me about that and tell me about some of the other email marketing building strategies that you've been working with lately. Well, I've done a couple of email um, 
I think they're called lead magnets, where where you offer something free for people to come and sign up for your newsletter. And that does seem to be pretty effective, uh, much better than just saying, hey, please, please, please sign up for my newsletter. <laughs> but I've done a, in combination with my publisher, which is Waterbrook Multnomah, we put together a nonfiction e-booklet that is women in the national parks. And it's kind of talks about different historical figures, uh, early female park rangers and uh, women that were the first climbers in Yosemite and various things like that. So it's kind of different little vignettes about women in the national parks uh, that went along with the books. And so we, they nicely put that together in a sweet little package with photographs and typeset it and all the stuff that I didn't have time to do. I wrote it, they, they made it beautiful. And uh, that is one of the free downloads and also some uh, neat vintage postcard downloads. So you can download the postcards and print them. They're not vintage postcards. They're vintage style artwork uh, like are on my book covers. Because if you see the book covers for the vintage National Parks novels, they look like the old WPA National Park art. So they put together some of that artwork. We've done that for downloads, too. Are you doing those right now? Are, are you offering those? I've done each of those at different times. And I think okay. right now it's just the Christmas in Paradise, which is a short story. Well, it's a little longer than a short story, but not long enough to be a novella. So I think I was calling uh -huh. it a novelette. Okay. <laughs> oh, those are great. So you, the, let me ask you specifically about the, the e-booklet about the early female park rangers. And you mentioned that Waterbrook Multnomah helped you produce that. Did you go to them and ask them for help with that? Or did they come to you? Or was it kind of a joint effort? I believe it was the marketing director there at uh, Waterbrook that, that suggested it. I had a series of blog posts. I was doing blog posts about women in the national parks and kind of doing a different one each day. And she said, can we put that together as a as a little nonfiction, nonfiction uh, download that we can give to your readers. I think we originally put it together as a pre as part of the pre-order campaign for one of the books, and so they, you know, you would pre-order the book and then you would get this as a as a little freebie, and then after the fact, I used it as a lead magnet on my website. Oh, that's a great idea. So, what you're doing is you were, in a sense, repurposing some blog posts, some content that you had already written. And then you were doing that in partnership with them. And so um, sometimes when you're working, this doesn't always happen, but when you're working with a traditional royalty publishing house like yours, sometimes they will, they do have a budget to help you market your mm -hmm. upcoming titles that are being released. And so sometimes they'll be willing to help with the typesetting and the publishing and the printing of of items like that, that you can use as giveaways. And it sounds like yours was a downloadable yes. giveaway. Yes. Correct. Okay. So yeah. there's other than the typesetting, there's really not a whole lot. Turn it into a PDF, upload it to your website, and you're good to go. <laughs> right, right. I uh, thought so that that's the, nice. the typesetting that they did with it looked particularly good to me. I, I like graphic design, and uh, I felt like it was a, definitely a, a few steps beyond what I was capable of. So mm. I appreciated that they did that and that I was able to use it after the fact. Yes, and that's and, awesome. And re recycle it again. <laughs> and I think readers notice that too, Karen, is when they download something, if it looks professional, mm -hmm. there's just a little, I don't know, a little light that comes on inside right. your brain where you associate professionalism with the author. 
Mm-hmm. And you go, oh, this looks really professional. I want to hear more from this person because they present themselves so professionally in just this one little tidbit that I downloaded. So I think that's a good little tip. Work with your publisher if you can. If not, maybe hire a graphic designer, uh, unless you have really good graphic design and typesetting skills yourself, um, which some of us do, but most <laughs> <laughs> most of us writers do not. <laughs> I include myself in that. I hire a graphic designer, anything that is going to be public facing, my graphic designer helps me with. Okay. Now, one other thing I wanted to ask you about continuing here with talking about lead magnets is you did a special lead magnet promotion at Christmas time. I did. And that's when we originally started talking about you coming on the podcast because I'm like, oh, I just love what, excuse me. I just love what you're doing. I want to share that with my audience. Tell me a little bit about what you did and how that worked for you. Yeah, I was really excited about that. I, I, I think when, when I first contacted you on email about it was to say, what have you done to me? <laughs> because uh, I had taken one of your online classes about writing email newsletters. And I've always struggled to write the email newsletter because it feels like you know, so many of us authors especially when we write fiction, we don't know what to put in the newsletter. And so it's, you know, a little, oh, this is what's going on with my writing. And this is a sale that's going on. And here's my favorite recipe. And here's a devotional thought. And here's a picture of my kids. And it kind of turns into this mishmash. You had said in, and you can tell me what, I don't remember the name of the class, but it was one that you offered online. Email marketing for writers, seven days to launch your list. It's a free course. It is a wonderful course. I learned a lot. One thing that you said in there was to offer something of value. And so I was thinking, well, I do these downloads already, but Christmas was coming up. Wouldn't it be neat if they could have something physical, like I could actually send them something? And so I've designed bookmarks for myself in the past. My my publisher's done my last few, but I've done my own in the past. So I knew how to do that. And I like graphic design, so I can I can, you know, play around with that. So I thought I'll just hop over to one of these overnight prints or go print or one of these uh, Vista print, one of these print sites, and mm-hmm. I'll design a quick bookmark. And I will offer that to my newsletter subscribers in a Christmas email, like, okay, send me an email and I'll send you a bookmark. So I put together a sort of a Christmassy wintry looking bookmark with a quote from one of my novels. And I sent out the email. And I remember saying to my husband, oh, this is what I'm doing. I'm really excited about it. And he said, oh, who's going to want a bookmark? <laughs> and I thought, well, you know, I, I ordered a couple hundred and if nobody wants them, that's fine. Not a big deal. And almost within a day, I had, I think, 150 <laughs> people sign up for the bookmark. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I think that's when I sent you the email, like, oh, no, <laughs> like, how am I going to afford the postage for all these? <laughs> but it was wonderful because people were so excited to get them. And it's just a bookmark. It was not expensive to produce. It was fairly simple. I actually did a, a Google form so that they didn't have to, I didn't want to get everybody's emails. So I, I had them, I sent them to a Google form where they filled out their name, their address, all that goes straight into a spreadsheet from which I could make mailing labels, because I want to make this as easy as possible. And I actually, you know, not thinking about the fact that a lot of people might sign up for this, I put little tick marks like, oh, do you want a bookmark for this book? How about for this book? How about for this book? And would you like a signed uh, book plate to go in and you, which books would you like a signed book plate for? And, you know, of course, most people were like, tick, 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 tick. I'll have it all. I'll have I it want all. it all. <laughs> but it's great, because I know that everyone who received one of these had a personal touch 
and they made a connection with an author. And if they hadn't read my books previous to this, I don't know why they would sign up for this if they hadn't read my books, but maybe they hadn't. And now they might. Or if they had read one of my books, now they have bookmarks for three or four of them, maybe they'll go and order those. So I knew it was worth my time and effort and postage to get those in the mail. And I had a really wonderful response from you know, just personal emails back thanking me for sending them. And it was a very fun experience. Oh, that's so great to hear because it sounds like you got in a little over <laughs> your head <laughs> and you weren't expecting, as your husband said, is anybody going to yeah. want a bookmark? Who wants a bookmark? <laughs> and you did several hundred, several hundred people. But really, when you think about investing in your writing business, you know, you weren't expecting to have to fork out all this money on postage, but I'm just making a wild guess that that's going to pay off big time over the long haul when your next book comes out, because you now have a list of several hundred people and you have mm -hmm. their mailing addresses as well as their email addresses. Mm -hmm. And they have basically given you permission to stay in contact with them so that when your next book comes out, you could maybe send them a postcard before the, I mean, a, not a postcard, a, a bookmark or yeah. a postcard or both. Because we know um, they like bookmarks. <laughs> we know they like bookmarks. <laughs> send that to them during your book launch period. And you just might see an interesting surge in sales from those several hundred people that got the physical bookmark. Mm -hmm. I like bookmarks. I actually have a bookmark collection and it just reminds me of the author and their books. And I love looking at the covers and it's just kind of a fun physical thing to have. I think I ended up sending out, I think I said 150. That was like by that evening I had 150. Yeah. I think by the end of the campaign, it was about 250. So wow. it really, really did well. There's a lot That's of- That's a really great response. Yes. Did you have did you have to hire people to help you <laughs> dress all those I, I got my teenagers to <laughs> There you go. Okay, here, start This is why we have teenagers. Yeah. And my <laughs> husband sat down with me after saying who'd want a bookmark and he was stuffing envelopes. <laughs> oh, good for him. I'm yes. glad you put him to work. <laughs> Oh, well, that's wonderful, Karen. And I think we're going to wrap up for today. But it has been so enjoyable to talk with you to learn a little bit more about your writing about what's kind of going on behind the scenes in your writing life, and some of the efforts that you're making to build your writing business that are really working for you. And I think that will help listeners to realize that it doesn't always have to be this big, spectacular thing that you spend thousands of dollars on. But what I hear you saying is that a lot of it is thought, is thinking about who your ideal reader is, and that's going to be different for each one of us, knowing them intimately, and then finding ways to connect with that person. Yes. Anything you would like to add to that or any final thoughts? Yeah, I think just as you said, forming a connection. I, I try very hard when I'm on social media to make sure I respond to comments and not just put up a picture, let people comment on it, and then go on to the next thing. I always want to be interacting and communicating because, you know, these people are making an investment in you with their time, even if it's if it's just a comment on Facebook or whether it's sitting down to read your book they are investing their time in you. And I, I want to honor that. And where can people go if they want to connect with you and get on your mailing list, get those freebies that you have to offer <laughs> and meet Ranger Bear? Yeah, it might be a while before I do the bookmark thing again, but uh, okay. <laughs> they can find me at karenbarnettbooks.com. And that's Barnett with two T's. So B-A-R-N-E-T-T, -T, Karen Barnett 
books.com. And I have a tab on there for Ranger Bear, but you can also find him on, and you can find both of us on uh, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. His Instagram handle is Ranger Bear underscore adventures. Great. And I will put a link to both Karen Barnett books and our favorite new person or new bear, Ranger Bear (laughs) Adventures in the show notes at bloggingbistro.com. Thanks again, everyone, for joining Karen and me today for the Professional Writer Podcast. We'll talk with you again next week.